week or for this sermon, um, I kind of had initially one idea of kind of where I was going, and then over the last week or so, um, that was kind of shifted, and the Lord kind of moved and um, changed that plan. Typically, at the beginning of the year, we, we do a series called The Conduits of Grace. And when we talk about the conduits of grace, we're talking about um, the different elements of God's sanctifying grace that he gives us, those disciplines of grace, of being in God's word. When we read his God, God's word and uh, he uses it as a measure of grace, and when we go to God in prayer, as a measure of grace. And, and when we gather together as brothers and sisters in Christ, there's grace found there. When we um, give generously of our time and our, even our finances, there's grace found there. When we um, be, are able to share of the goodness of Jesus and share the gospel with others, we find grace there. And we talk about those different conduits of God's grace that he gives to us. And those are those sanctifying ones, the ones that make us more and more like Jesus. There are those um, sustaining graces that, that our God gives us um, as we walk with Jesus. Um, but as I was kind of walking through and thinking of those things, um, I was reoriented a little bit and reminded how much we, before we can even just walk with Jesus, um, that we need the, the conduit of God's justifying grace, his saving grace, his redeeming grace. We need to be reminded of the goodness of the gospel, um, the goodness of Jesus. And, and those are the things that, that fuel us, that they're the engines that drive us to then take advantage of those um, sanctifying and those um, sustaining elements of God's grace that we have. So, so that's kind of where we're going to go. And often, too, um, if you've been around Derby Hill for a few years, you remember that I, I begin with this illustration that I've used year after year to speak about this. And as I was thinking again about this whole thing of God's grace, and as illustrations are, they always break down a little bit, and you got to reorient a little bit. And you realize, well, that, that, that illustration's okay, but it kind of falls apart here and here. And Well, that illustration is that of, um, pretend you're on a boat, maybe a cruise ship, a large ship, and you're with a friend, and your friend's a little foolish, and they fall into the water. And um, they're in that water, treading water, if you remember, if you've heard this before, and they're treading water. So you run and you want to save your friends, so you get a life, um, a lifesaver, one of those round ones, and you throw it out by your friend, and it lands right next to him, and you say, grab on to the lifesaver, and, and they, your friend just is treading water, and they're like, no, that's too small, that's, that's for kids, and you're like, what, okay, okay, so you run in back in the boat, remember, and you get that raft, and you inflate it, and you throw it by your friend, and you, and he's treading there, and he's like, get into the boat. And your friend says, I'm too busy treading water. And you're like, oh, my goodness. So somehow then you get in the boat, remember, and you, and you reach out your hand to your friend, and you say, hey, get in the boat. And he's like, I don't like people. And you're like, oh. It just goes on and on and on, if you remember. And, and there's these elements in the walk, the, of, in our walk with Jesus. And it's an illustration of someone who knows Jesus, who's in the water, and sometimes we're treading through life, and God has all these elements of his grace through his word and prayer and the body. And sometimes we just try to, to keep just treading water on our own um, when there's these elements of God's grace. Again, speaking of someone who's already trusted in Jesus and renewed in him. But then I thought, that's actually not a great picture because that person, if they know Jesus, 
They're in the boat. They're not in the water. They maybe, maybe they're on the cruise ship in the pool, treading water, and you're trying to save them. But if we know Jesus, we're rescued. We're, we're secure in him. But there are times where we try to jump out of that boat and just try to tread on our own, don't we, at times. So, so there is an element to that, but maybe it's a better picture is the person on the cruise ship in the swimming pool treading water, and you're trying to rescue them. Say, hey, there's elements. But today I want to be reminded that we are rescued. If we've turned and we've trusted in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are saved. We are in the boat. We have been rescued, and we have this overflowing grace of our God upon us that we need to look to time and time again. And what kind of helped just remind me of that recently, um, there's a book I've been reading off and on over the last few months, and uh, the last couple weeks more I've been reading in a couple chapters in this book. And it's a book by Dane Ortland, who many of you read The Gentle and Lowly, and we have those in the back. But he has another book called Deeper um, with the subtitle of Real Change for Real Sinners. And he has one chapter called Acquittal, which is about that we are being acquitted. We've been justified. Our sins have been wiped clean, and we can stand before a holy God. And he just talks about the truth of the justification of the gospel that we have. And uh, just that reminder that we need to go back to that time and time again, that we've been saved from, from the outside in, that we've been given, if we've trusted in Christ, we've been given the righteousness of Jesus. And we've been saved, not by our own works, but we're given what is sometimes called the alien righteousness of Christ, this outside righteousness, and that we've been made enough. Um, we've been made whole. We've been made holy before um, a just and holy God. We've been okay, and often in life we, we wrestle and try to see, make ourselves matter or be enough or be okay, and he reminds us that in Christ, if we trusted in him, we, we are. We're rescued. We're his. We're adopted as sons and daughters of the king. So he reminds us of that, and then um, a couple quotes from the book. He talks about the gospel and the need for it, and he says, the gospel The gospel, it's not a hotel to pass through, but a home to live in. Not only a gateway into the Christian life, but it's a pathway. It's a pathway of our Christian life, the gospel. The gospel is not just jumper cables to get the Christian life started, but an engine to keep the Christian life going. And then says justification is not a spark plug that ignites the Christian life, but an engine that powers it all along the way. Amen? We need to be reminded of that. And then my desire is that as we think of those things, that they fuel us to desire to go to God's word um, and go to our God in prayer, who is a God who speaks and wants us to, to, to speak back to him. So that may that fuel that in our lives. So I encourage you, although we're not going to have separate sermons to talk about being in God's word and being in prayer, um, may this fuel you. Um, to dive into those disciplines where they are avenues, they are conduits of his, his sustaining and sanctifying grace. Uh, but we need to look to that first initial saving, redeeming grace found in the gospel. And one of the best places um, that we can find in scriptures in Titus, I think about six years ago we looked at this passage, but again, this might be a day-by-day thing we need to look to. So I'm excited to be able to look at it again. Again, we're in Titus chapter 3, um, and we will begin actually in verse, in verse 3. So here we begin. And here is 
Paul writes here to Titus. And Titus is um, over and leading the church on the island of Crete. And Paul writes to him and he says, remind the brothers and sisters in Christ in the church, remind them of these things. And as Paul reminded Titus to remind the brothers and sisters, we are reminded now today we need to be reminded of these truths. And and the heart of it is a reminder of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So remember, remember, remember our life first before the gospel. Sometimes we just need to be reminded what life was like before we knew Jesus. And it begins in verse 3. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our day in malice and envy and hated by others and hating one another. So Paul, he, he lists these things and he, it's a description of what our life was marked by before we knew Christ. And he said, you all once were like this. So he reminds you, hey, this was who you were. And before Christ, this is who we are. And he, he says now, though, that, that things have changed, though, but he reminds them. And I think it's good to be reminded what life was like before that, before um, we knew Jesus. And we see these things, and a lot of these things really are about ourself, um, gratifying ourself and, and making, excuse me, making ourself number one. Um, but we see that our lives aren't to be marked by those things. Um, but also, I think, as he reminds them, the brothers and sisters of these things, and to be reminded of these things. Um, it also gives us grace for other people who are yet to know Jesus. Uh, we're reminded, hey, we used to be like that. They need Jesus. We needed Jesus. And uh, it may spur us on to be reminded of the gospel and then share the gospel. And apart from Christ, we would go back to these things as well, just life um, for self. So he says, you once were like this, but something has happened. And we see the gospel come in. So he reminds Titus, who is to remind the people of the gospel, verses 4 through 7. And we have kind of the gospel just laid out in these ways. And as we remember the gospel of Jesus Christ, there's different elements that we're going to kind of walk through um, in here of the gospel little by little as we look through these verses. So verse 4 through the first part of 5, we see... This is how we once lived. Essentially, as Paul says it in Ephesians, we were once dead in sin, apart from Christ. But then, what happens? We have the rival of our Savior, the rival of our justifier, the rival of Jesus. Or you could say Advent. We've been in Advent season, right? The arrival of Jesus. And here we have a description of that. It says, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. So here we have this arrival of Jesus. We have the arrival of God's grace in the flesh. We have the arrival of the goodness and the loving kindness of God. He arrives. Uh, Jesus arrives. And he is the goodness, the loving kindness, the grace, and the mercy of our God in flesh. And we see that in Christ, that he arrives, he came, he appears on the scene in this world that's broken by sin. Um, and this life under the sun, and he comes after us, um, those who were in rebellion and sin, and the loving kindness, the mercy, the goodness of our God comes in Christ. I think of the, the parable of the good shepherd, where 
Jesus talks about the shepherd leaving the 99 and going after the one. We have the active initiating of salvation as Jesus came to save us. In Titus, just a few verses before this, in chapter 2, Paul talks about it, um, the arrival of Christ, um, in a similar way. So let's just look at that real quick. This is Titus chapter 2, verse 11. It says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. And again, here he's speaking about the arrival of Jesus, that first advent of Jesus. The grace of God appeared in Christ, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So then in verse 3, it talks about the second coming. We still wait for Christ to come again. And that's our hope is in Christ that either he will return or we will be with him for all eternity when we die. Then verse 14, who gave himself, Jesus gave himself for us to redeem us. So And speaking about the gospel, that Jesus died for us on the cross, that he could rescue us from our sins, redeem us from all lawlessness, and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. So here we're just reminded, we need to think upon, we need to be reminded of Jesus who came in all the fullness of the loving kindness, that stubborn, never giving up type of love that God has given us, that we talked about a lot when we were in the Old Testament about the hesed, that that love of God that's just a stubborn love of God that depends upon him and not upon us. And Jesus has arrived on the scene and we need to look again and again and again and again and again to Jesus. Dane Ortland in uh, that book I mentioned, he, he quotes some other people and this is what he says about that, about us pointing and looking to Jesus. He says, this is why the Scottish pastor Robert Murray McChain said, for every one look at yourself, take 10 looks at Christ. I love that. Maybe you've heard that quote before. Um, for every one look at ourselves, we need to look at 10 at, at Jesus. And then he says, it's why John Newton said that a single view of Christ would do you more good than pouring over your own wounds for a month. Oh, we need that. Let's look at a single view of Christ. It's, it's better than pouring over our own wounds for a month. And, and then Dane goes on. He says, and they were simply following Scripture's lead, looking to Jesus, as Hebrews 12, 2 says. We tend to look within um, to answer the greatest question of the soul, am I right with God? But remind, we don't look within to know if we're right with God or right with man. We look to Jesus Christ. And when we do, we can find rest in Him, that we're made right in Him. So then um, we see, as he continues... um, after this arrival of Christ, they see a little bit more about salvation. What is the basis of the salvation? Is it based on my good works? Is it based on my acts? What is my re- redemption, my salvation, my enoughness? Does it rest on me? Um, well, we see the answer to that. So he says, but according, this is verse 5. I'm sorry, he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness. So it begins and first says, uh, no, it, it's not about our own good works. Nothing that we've done um, makes us right and just before God. 
a rescue. It doesn't depend on us in one little tiny bit, not at all. He's saying it's not about us. So this is good news. First, the arrival of the goodness and loving kindness of our God arrived on the scene in Christ. He saved us, and it's not about us. We don't contribute to our justification being made right, right standing before God. But our hearts, um, I think they're always seeking justification, seeking to be enough, seeking to know if we matter before others and before God. And we can wrestle with that a lot. Um, And I think, too, if we aren't looking to Christ to to find that we matter and that we're enough and that we're justified and that we're okay, we're going to look to other things because our hearts were made uh, to be right before God and before others. And um, it's been said um, that what we... In our phones, we carry around with us a little justification machine, a mini justification machine all the time because we um, say maybe this week you decide this week, all week, I'm going to ride my bike to work in the snow, on the ice. It's about 50 miles, and I'm going to post my, my Fitbit um, screenshot, and, and I'm going to get 100 likes. Bloop, my justification, I feel a little bit better today. Yep, good for for man and others, and or maybe this week I'm going to use the, the organic kale that I grew in my garden and uh, my homemade ricotta cheese and make this wonderful salad and, and post it. 200 likes, boop, justification, feel good today. Or, or maybe I'm going to um, show a video of my, my, crossfit work, or my CrossFit workout. I'm flipping vans this week and just flipping them over. And just I'm going to pose beside one of them and just kind of my justification meter before man and others. And we, we do that. Um, and I, I joke about that, but we, we all kind of do that a little bit. And I, I, I'm not apart from that. But we look for different ways to, to find our enoughness before God and others. And it's exhausting. But it's because we were never meant to find our enoughness and our justification before God and others in our works. It's found wholly on on Jesus Christ. And we see that. Amen. We see it. It's based on the mercy and the grace of our God found through Jesus Christ. The mercy and grace of our God. As we continue, it says, but according to his own mercy, his own mercy poured out for us, uh, he gives us what we don't deserve. That's pardon through Jesus Christ. And then it speaks about grace in a little bit. In verse 7, partway through verse 7, it says, so that being justified by His grace. So throughout the New Testament, throughout the Scriptures, we have the themes of the mercy and the grace of our God, and we're reminded that our salvation, our redemption, our uh, enoughness... um, is in Christ, that we can stand before a holy God because we're forgiven because of the mercy and grace that's found in Jesus. Paul, he gives testimony, testimony to that in 1 Timothy. He shares about his own testimony, about the grace and the mercy of God that was poured out upon him. And this is from 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. It says, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, Because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, and insolent 
um, opponent. So he was one who um, sought to crush the church and crush the name of Christ and went out persecuting, imprisoning, and seeking to have put to death um, believers. But then he said, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief, and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. So reminded... Uh, just the grace and mercy of our God poured out upon us apart from our works. He pours his grace and his mercy upon us. Again, it's the outside-in change. Uh, all other religions are about inside-out, working out so that we can be just and right. And even our secular cultural way to make ourselves just and enough before others is just striving, striving, striving. But here it says, no, the mercy and grace has been given to you by Jesus Christ. And we'll continue. We see more details about this salvation. What are the details of our salvation? What, is, what has happened? What happens when we're saved? And we see some of that in this verse. Verse 5 says, He saved us, again, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So here we have this washing of regeneration, this new birth, this renewal. And if you remember, just a little bit ago, we were in the Gospel of John, in John chapter 3, and we, Jesus spoke about being born again, that we need to be born again, that we have new spiritual life in Him, that we are those who are dead in sin, and we need to be given new life, and that happens in Christ. Prior, we are dead in sin, now alive in Christ, or new creations. We go from death to life in Jesus when he pours out his mercy and grace upon us and we're washed, we're new. There's this rebirth and renewal that we are new creations in Christ by the mercy and grace of our God when we turn and we trust in him. And we're washed clean. All the filth and the corrosion and the stain of sin removed, totally removed. And we're made totally and utterly, totally and utterly new. Uh, it's a bit like, well, this week I took my car through a car wash, and really, I, I just hate spending money on car washes. It just seems like, I don't know, I just hate it. I'm really frugal. No, I'm really cheap. And so it's really, it's painful to pay to take my car through a little tunnel and have it come out clean. And, but I was able to pay $5 for a, a month, for initial trial month thing, because they want me to do more months. But I'm only going to do one month because I'm too cheap. But, um, so, but I took my car through yesterday or the day before. And, man, this is a time where your car is just nasty, dirty. And you, you come out the other end. And it's like, whoa. And you see it in, the, in your garage or wherever you park. And you're like, whoa. It looks new and nice. Um, and, and, and it's wonderful. But um, that's not exactly the picture here. There's something a little more going on. It's more like if we went to the car wash with our 2008 or 2015 or whatever we have, model car, we, we drive through, it's dirty and nasty, and we come out the other side, and it's a 2023 model. <laughs> and wouldn't that be awesome? I pay $5. I pay $20 for that. Uh, but, but that's the picture. We're washed. We're made new. Not just sort of scrubbed a bit on the outside, but from inside out new, from that outside in righteousness of Jesus Christ that happens um, as the Holy Spirit's poured out upon us. And again, the work of the Holy Spirit seen here, poured out 
upon us. And He's poured out upon us, not just in, in small measure, but in great measure. Not just a little bit, but a lot richly poured out upon us. Like totally new in Christ. His Holy Spirit poured out. I, I've used this picture before, but I think it's the best picture I, I think of when I think of the pouring out of this of the Holy Spirit upon us and in full measure, richly poured out. It's like a, if you have a, a five-year-old and they get up on a Saturday morning, you're still kind of sleeping in and they're like, I want cereal. They get the cereal out somehow and then they, they get a jug of milk, and, but it's full. It's a full jug of milk. And so they try to pour and what happens? It just never stops, right? It just keeps going and going and just fills that cereal bowl up and overflows. And just a picture just... Uh, just richly poured out upon us, the Holy Spirit in us by the mercy and grace of our God, washed clean, made new. And then we see verse 7, so that being justified, we're justified, we're made right before holy God, we can stand forgiven, uh, clean, righteous, because our sins have been placed on Christ, as we saw in verse 14 of chapter 2, that he gave himself up for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify himself. So we have this picture that in Christ that we are justified. We don't have to do um, any more of that self-justification on our own to be right before God and before others. It's done in Christ. So justified, acquitted in him. So no, yeah, we no longer have to weary ourselves out by trying to fill ourselves up and make sure our justification meter um, is enough for that day. Because uh, we've been saved from the outside in, the justification, the righteousness of Jesus poured out upon us through the Holy Spirit. And then we see uh, the results. We have resulting hope of our salvation, true hope that we can rest in. So verse 7, let me just read all of it. So that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So here in Christ, we're adopted in. We're sons and daughters of the king. We're heirs and we have this inheritance and we have a hope of eternal life. Our hope is not just this life. If this is all it was, man, oh man. (laughs) No wonder we strive to make heaven on, on earth, if that was all it is. But there's so much more. We have eternity waiting for us. And if we're justified, we're, we're brought in. We have this assured inheritance of hope for all eternity in Christ. We're heirs. Um, Pastor John Piper, he says it this way about heirs. He says, he means heirs of everything, including included in the eternal life. New heavens, new earth, new body, new perfected relationship, new sinless sight of all that is good and glorious and new capacity for a kind of pleasure in God that will exceed all our dreams. So we, we long, all that our heart longs for, it will be satisfied in Christ uh, for all eternity. And it helps us uh, make sense sometime about the suffering that we walk through here. May it derive us, may it remind us that heaven is not here and point us again and again to Jesus. Again, taking one look at ourselves and ten at Jesus. We need to be reminded of these things. And then, may the gospel, and I can't remember if I, I have this point. That may be the last point. Did I have a third point? I don't remember if I put it back in or not. I took it out, and I put it in, took it out, put it in. Um, so remember, we also need to be reminded that the gospel, 
um, the gospel as it fuels change in us. Remember the gospel as it fuels it. It's the fuel, it's the engine that, cha- that brings that change. Because there's a call to good work several times within Titus. Uh, but it's not in our, in our own strength, but it's because that we've been utterly made new and changed in him. And we continue to go back again and again to the gospel. So verse 8, and then also verses 1 and 2 tie in here. The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. So there should be an impact as we, we're changed in Christ. It does change the way we live. We're, as Paul speaks about in Ephesians 2, that we are God's workmanship. Again, we're saved by grace, but we're His workmanship created for good works. So He's planned for us, good things. And then verses 1 and 2, let me read those from chapter 3. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. So we're reminded of these things, that our lives are deeply marked by the indelible grace and the mercy of our God, and, and they flow out um, in ways that we live. And again, it's that fuel, it's the engine. We go back again and again and again to the gospel. One um, last quote from, from Dane Ortland from that book, Deeper. It says, the outside in verdict uh, nurtures an inside-out process. You can't crowbar your way into change. Uh, you can only be melted. Reflecting on the wonder of the gospel that we were justified simply by looking away from ourselves to the finished work of Christ on our behalf, softening our hearts. The labor of sanctification then becomes a wonderful, wonderfully calmed. That gets sometimes it's. We just need to hear that. The gospel is what changes us, and only it can, because the gospel itself is telling us what is true of us, because we, we were being, because uh, we were, we ever, uh, let me start again, <laughs> because the gospel itself is telling us what is true of us before we ever begin to change, and no matter how slowly our change comes. So it's kind of like that quote, the pastor, that, there's a pastor that says, uh, God doesn't love a future version of you, he loves you now kind of that being reminded, and that fuels our desire to put ourselves under the grace, those sanctifying, uh, those um, sustaining graces of our God by being in his word throughout the year. It's so good to have him speak to us through his word and going to him in prayer and gathering with brothers and sisters in Christ and memorizing his word and being spurred on to share this good gospel that we have. So we see our friends trying to justify themselves in all these different ways and be like, just stop, <laughs> Jesus has done the work. Um, maybe this morning you recognize that there's so many different ways that you're trying to seek to just make yourself matter before God and others, and you're doing it in your own strength. And may you be reminded today that the message of Jesus where he said, repent and believe, and repentance is turning from self and sin and turning to Jesus Christ and resting that he indeed did, as these verses say, give himself up for us to redeem us and rescue us and forgive us and wash us that we might be made whole. So this morning, if you have yet to do that, I encourage you just to come and speak with me or one of us about following Jesus. Uh, But then, brothers and sisters in Christ, may we be fueled this year, looking back again and again to the goodness of the gospel. Uh, Again, it's, it's not a hotel Uh, but it's a home to live in the gospel. Let's pray. Dear Father God, we thank you for uh, your kindness to us. 
times life can be filled with just so exhausting and so many pressures to be this or to be that. And we're reminded that if we turn and we trust in Jesus Christ, that we are, we are whole, uh, we are washed, we are redeemed, we are declared to be um, your sons and daughters and that you pour out upon us an inheritance of eternal life. So Lord, we thank you for that. Help us to, to rest in those things. And be reminded of the truth of the gospel. Help us to, for every one look at ourselves, to look ten times to Jesus. Help us to be reminded of those things when we're tempted just to look in and to despair. May we look to Jesus again and again. Lord, help us to look to your initial saving grace that we might be fueled throughout this year to, to take and read your word, to pray, um, and to share the goodness of the gospel with others. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.